Hey, thanks so much for joining us at C3 Fort Worth's podcast. We're excited to share this message with you as Pastor Brandon continues our Future People series. For more information, please visit us at c3fortworth.com. All right, you guys ready to open the Bible and talk about Jesus for a moment? All right, some of you are. Uh, Jesus heard you. Okay, so if you could turn in your Bible, turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to get there in a moment. I'm not going to go there immediately. So if you want to get ahead of me, Hebrews chapter 11, and you can underline, because we are going to talk about faith. Last week, we talked about 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and we talked about this idea. In fact, if you read a few verses before 13, you read that section of Scripture. What you find is these two words that keep getting uh, referenced, and it's now and then. And he says, now we see things as in a mirror, so we don't see things fully. Uh, then we will see things clearly. And he says now and then a couple different times. And then he ends the chapter, and again, he wouldn't be writing in chapters. It would be a full-form letter. He would just be writing continually. But then he says this, that what remains, what will last into the future, what will last forever, right, is faith, hope, and love. And that future people have these convictions about their lives, faith, hope, and love, that are not determined by our present circumstances. And so what God asks of us as we follow him, as we follow Christ, is that we would be people, right, who live in the now and then. We are people who live in the present and the future. That we are people who don't, we don't escape from the present. So many times as Christians, we can tend to have this verbiage and this wording that like someday we're going to escape earth and get out of here so we can get to heaven. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 doesn't actually use words like here and there. It uses words like now and then. Almost as though it is not really about getting out of a place, but really more about changing a place. Okay, that was good, and y'all didn't talk back. I'm, really, I'm trying here. I'm being patient. And, and what God asks of us is to be people that live in the present with an expectation for the future and to allow the future and really to make the future something that causes a change in the present. That our future convictions of faith, hope, and love would not be overwhelmed or changed by our present circumstances. How many of us have ever allowed our present circumstances to change the future convictions we have? How many of you have ever allowed a difficult season to go, well, forget it, I'm done, and to lose a dream or to lose a vision or just simply to lose the trust that we have in Jesus? Anybody ever dealt with that? I know I've dealt with that. And and so so many times we allow the future to be dictated by the present when really what we should allow is is the present to be dictated by the future, to to have this future faith and this future hope and this future love that makes its way into our present. And so we talked about this idea of a forever thing, this future thing, and we are future people and our future is people because we are basing our life not upon the circumstances or even the places that we're gathering, we're basing it upon the fact that we love people enough to gather them. We love people enough to serve them. We love people enough to to open our table to them, to pull up a chair for them, to bring them into a Sunday morning and lift up the name of Jesus so that they can know that they don't even have to love themselves all that much. If they would love Jesus fully, then God would make sure they understand how much they are loved. That we love God and we love people, and those two things will always make us 
more loved as people. We are people who understand that. So this idea of this future people thing is not just this great, like, oh, this is cool. It's graphics great, and, like, it's great to think about what's to come, and it's great to have this vision for tomorrow, and January is going to be amazing. We launch into a new place. Really what we're talking about is that, that what we believe about the future would begin to change how we act in the present. Amen. Now, one of the words he uses is this faith thing, and, 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 and really what he uses throughout the letters to Corinthians, in fact, the second chapter, or the, sorry, the second book, 2 Corinthians, the second letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he uses this forever term again. I'm just going to read a few verses. I didn't tell you to turn there, so it'll be okay. I'm going to read this through real quickly. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every single day. The message says it like this, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now understand, what he's not trying to say is that your, the things you're going through are small and they're easy and they're simple. What he's saying is in comparison to what will be, and in comparison to the glory you will live in, in comparison to your future, the present troubles are small. So he's not trying to diminish that you've walked through difficult things. He's trying to remind you that however difficult your season is and however difficult your circumstance is, it does not hold a candle to what God is doing for you in your future, primarily in your eternity. And so he's trying to go, listen, this is, like, Paul's not a guy who went through little things. Paul, because he gave up the, 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 the stature of being a Pharisee, gave up the stature of being able to be the guy that went and chased down the church, he became a guy who then was persecuted and most likely at a higher level because now the very thing he was trying to shut down is the very thing he was now building. And so he became this guy who was a target. And now he spent most of his life in prison. And he spent most of his life writing to people he would never see again, telling them how much Jesus loved them. And so he says things like, even though I am perplexed, even though I am pushed in on both sides, I am not dead and I am not done and I have not given up on who God's built me to be. That, that's, that's a future person talking. That's a, that's a future person. When you can talk about things when you're in the middle of prison and you can still tell people that Jesus loves them, guess what? You are a future person. And that's who we are called to be, that regardless of the circumstance we're in, we are still clinging to the good news that is Jesus Christ. So he's not trying to tell you where you're at is just easy. He's trying to tell you that regardless of where you're at, the good news and the glory and the grace of God is greater. Yet they produce for us a glory. We, we sang that today, yeah. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. If you were here last week, you saw the gif. We're not going to show it today. But everybody knows Sandlot is the greatest forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Now that is a really challenging statement. I'm sorry, so you don't want me to look at what I'm going through. Because see, I think sometimes we get accused as Christians of being people who just are in denial. And, and I, I understand why, because they hear this, this the wording and the, the, the rhetoric of the, this idea that, that somehow what I'm dealing with is not bigger than, than the God that I serve. And, and yet I think what, they've, what, they, what people who call Christians, uh, people who are in denial, What they've really done is mixed up the message. We are not people in denial. We are people full of faith. 
We are people that are in the hands of God. We are people who trust him fully. And so regardless of what we're in, it does not mean we do not deal with the things that we're in. It it means that we do not allow the things that we're in to determine for us who we will be, right? And so I I actually find that that's that's also what they call heroes. And that's also what, what they call champions. It's also what they call people who, regardless of circumstance, fight through it regardless because they have a faith and a conviction about what they believe can happen. And so I believe the church should be a church that, regardless of the circumstances and regardless of the situation and regardless of whether your nation is divided on all sorts of different things, that we are a church who believes something so good and so great and so mighty and so gracious and so from the hand of God that we would not give up on it, that we have convictions that allow us to step into it and we would become people who are light in the dark in a city on a hill. Are you with me? You, you, listen, you can call the church people that deny it, but you, you must also call those people who say anything good about the future the same thing. Because in the midst of our present circumstance, we have a future conviction that says this is not how it will always be. That when Jesus returns, a new heaven, new earth, that the things will change. And that even now, in this moment, I can bring something into the earth and bring something into this world and bring something into my relationships and bring something into my family that is greater than what I'm currently dealing with. You know, one of the greatest things I ever saw in my family is watching my parents or watching different people hold convictions even when I felt like they could have just done whatever they wanted to do. I felt like they could have been angry or difficult or mean or unforgiving or say nasty things. Or I find that I discover what someone really is about when they are walking through the things they never wanted to walk through in the first place. Right? It's, it's the difficult seasons that actually bring out of you who you really are and what you really believe. And so what I'm telling you is that even in the, and we got to get onto the message, y'all. You need to stop talking. But when we get, we get ourselves into this place where we go, well, you're just denying what's happening. No, 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 no. I'm allowing what is also happening in heaven and what is also happening in the unseen to determine what I'm doing in the present regardless of what I'm dealing with in my circumstance. Because here's what he says. He says, do not fix your eyes on what is seen. Fix your eyes on what is unseen. Now that makes you guys said, yeah, and amen, but that makes no sense. I mean, really, look at what you can't see. That's like, I just was reminded, someone tried to give me celery this week on Thanksgiving. Listen, that's like saying to someone, taste the celery. It doesn't have no taste, and I don't care what kind of cheese you put on it. It doesn't taste like anything. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It is not, you don't get to cover it with something and then say, well, this tastes good. No, put that on something also tastes good and let that all just happen. Don't, the cell, no. Like eating water, man. You know, all I'm saying, yes, that is a conviction of mine. <laughs> I got, will not allow my future convictions to be. But then, look, he says, look at what you can't see. I think that's one of the challenges of our life is to look at what we cannot see. Isn't that, isn't that kind of what gets us sometimes is that as, as, as we do our best to follow Jesus, as we do our best to be led by the Holy Spirit, as we do our best to bring God glory, as we do our best to do those things, sometimes it is the, and, and maybe not even sometimes, more often than not, it is the unseen that causes us the most challenge. Right? We see someone's nice car and we see someone's better house and we see someone's better life and we see someone and 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 so then the issue is not that they have better things the issue is that on the inside of us on the unseen part of us 
We're frustrated. We think we should have that. We think we should know that, that should be ours. We, you know, I, why did I only get one talent? Why, did I, why didn't I get more of this? Why didn't, and, and really it's the unseen world that causes us the most problems. Because sometimes when we fix our eyes upon the wrong things, when we fix our eyes upon the things that are seen instead of the unseen, we, we let the unseen kind of drift to wherever it wants to go. And so then the pressure of life overwhelms the power in us. And so the things around us have more power than the internal world. And so when, when, when Paul says, fix your eyes on what is unseen, I'll give you two words that I think he's trying to really get to. And these aren't words that he, you know, these are, these are just, I'm just my best way of explaining this. I would say there's two things. He wants you to focus your eyes on the eternal and the internal. He wants you to focus your eyes on the eternal and the internal. You with me? Because so many times we focus our lives on the what? On the present, right? And the external. What's happening in the present moment out here? And what happens is for many of us the challenge is that we are we are dealing with so much pressure out here, and we are void of power in here, and then the pressure over, have you ever tried to, to, to squeeze a can that is full and hasn't been opened yet? I mean, for some of y'all, maybe you can do it, but I've never been able to do that. It's not until you open it up and get some stuff out of it that you can actually squeeze it. And sometimes that's what happens in our life. We become people, when we're empty of something, when we're empty of the power and the presence and the spirit and the, and the peace and the, and, the, and the love and the grace and the truth of God's word, when we are empty of those things, the pressure of life begins to squeeze us. But when we are full of certain things, when we have the faith and the hope and love, and we have future convictions, eternal and internal convictions about life, it does not matter what, is de- what we're dealing with on the outside. That will never squeeze us so much that we lose life. So this idea of this future conviction, this idea of having eternal thoughts, that we need to fix our eyes upon things that are unseen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last, again, there's that word, forever. Same word we saw in 1 Corinthians 13, that, that these things will last forever. And I can't help but say it like that now. I can't just say it normal. Forever. There we go. And one of the words he talks about is faith. And I just want to hit this verse very quickly. And, and we, um, I told you to turn to it, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read it out of the message. So maybe you didn't need to turn to it because you probably didn't bring the message translation with you. But at least you opened your Bible. Um, that's good. Hebrews 11 says this in the message translation. And for many of you, you've heard the definition of faith out of Hebrews 11. And you've heard it certain ways. That, uh, the evidence of things unseen, right? The, the, there, there's, like, there's some things there that you would have maybe recognized possibly. If you didn't, it's fine. But Hebrews 11.1. And I, I'm reading out of this translation for one statement. But let me read the whole. Uh, the fundamental fact of existence. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. That's good. It's a little wordy, right? I could have gone with another translation for that part. But here's the part I want you to really hear. Faith, it's our handle on what we cannot see. That's good, right? I love that. The first part, mm, Need to talk to Eugene Patterson about that one. But, but this, this part, faith is our handle on things we cannot see. Have you ever lost your handle on things you can't see? You ever heard that phrase, fly off the handle? Yeah, yeah. 
you know, I looked that up last night. I was trying to figure out what does that come from. And uh, it comes from the, the idea of when an axe head would fly off the handle. Right? That sounds dangerous. Uh, and the idea was that when you're doing your job with the axe and then all of a sudden it loses its bearing and flies off, that's what it means to fly off the handle. Have you ever done that? Have you ever flown off the handle and it sounds dangerous? You know what I'm talking about? And, and faith is that, that handle for us. And, and what faith is meant to do is to give us the, the thing that allows us to do our job well. Because when the axe head is on the handle, it can do what it's meant to do. But the moment it flies off that handle, it just becomes destructive and dangerous. And, and the reason is, is because what happens is we allow ourselves to move from faith to, uh, another word we, we, we don't always love, but we live in, is uh, fear. So, so we have this faith and fear thing happening. And future people are faith people, but, but I have also found that there's some people who are future people who base their life on fear. Because, because the reality of it is, is that faith and fear, and we said this last week, we teased today a little bit, that, 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 that the reality of it is that faith and fear are the same thing. And what I mean by that is faith is the belief that what you cannot see will come to pass. Fear has the same definition, that what you cannot see will come to pass. Faith and fear have the, have the same kind of basic parameters. The difference is, is what is your handle? What is the thing that is holding it together? Because there are going to be things that even on the outside, I mean, the external temporary things of life can really get you all messed up. And you will, you could fly off the handle. And what happens is when you lose your expectancy, when you lose your basic trust in who God is, when you lose your faith, you lose your handle and you actually become dangerous. Not, not because you're all of a sudden mean, not, but you, now maybe you stepped back from who God's called you to be, or you're not saying some things with the same kind of conviction that you used to say things with, or you actually do become a little bit dangerous. You throw some words out, or you, you, and so your internal life you've let loose because you've lost your faith, and you're now operating in fear, and it's what you can't see that is causing the problem. I, I don't know if God's going to show up. I don't know if God's going to, is God even here now? Like, I'm not sure I can have this unswerving trust in him. I don't know if I can have this confident expectation, another way to say hope. I don't know if I can have this extravagant love because I'm not really sure. And, and man, we, when we get to that place, when things go badly or when things don't go the way we expected them to, we move into this place we get to choose either faith or fear, and you get to choose how you want to live your life. You get the option to say, God, I'm going to trust you here. And it's a, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a daily battle, I believe. And it's not really one that you win by yourself. Like the idea is not that you would somehow stir up your own faith. The reality is, is that as you fix your eyes upon Jesus, again, we happen to read this this morning, as you put your eyes upon him, as you open your Bible, as you pray, as you get with others, as you do those things, what happens is you begin to build your faith, and, and that's when you begin to stand in the midst of things. I, I think sometimes we try to do so much, and the reality is, is that it's when we fix our eyes upon Jesus that he does things in us. It, it, see, the Bible says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith, that he's given us a measure of faith. It's really not dependent upon us to come up with faith. It is dependent upon us to look upon Jesus and in looking upon him, trust him enough to go where he goes and to do what he calls us to do. 
So faith is a product. And, 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 so, and then what happens is when you have the faith, you have the actions. So when James says faith without actions is dead, what he's, what he's saying, he's not saying you better get active. What he's saying is you better get faith. Because hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Again, it is not up to you to somehow magically come up with faith. It is up to you to make sure that in your life you are fixing your eyes upon Jesus. Not looking upon things that are seen, but looking upon things that are unseen. So that you might be able to walk, because Hebrews 11 goes on to say that what we see is created by what was unseen. And that, that holds true in every area of our life. More often than not, what we are doing with our hands was caused by what happens in our heart. Right? So when the Old Testament writer says that out of, the, uh, out of, the, out of our heart flow the issues of life, what he's saying is that everything starts here. It doesn't start here. It starts here. What you believe about who God is, what you believe about yourself, what you believe God's done in you is going to make its way into the things you do in the world. So it matters. It's our handle on what we can't see. And for many of us, again, faith versus fear. And I wanted to read, uh, there's a verse that popped into my head whenever I um, thought about this, uh, this faith versus fear thing. And I, I wanted to go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And you don't have to turn there. You can. Be great. Uh, but Philippians 4, 6 simply says this. As Paul is kind of actually wrapping up a letter of his. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Don't worry about anything. Again, another part of the Bible that I wish at times wasn't there because I would rather have at least a few things I can worry about. But it says don't worry about anything. Paul just, gosh, Paul's got some high standards, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, everybody say instead. See, I, again, I think this is where we misrepresent Scripture or where others might misrepresent Scripture. I think we read this verse and we go, okay, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And we read it as though like a command. And while in, in many ways it is an instruction, you, you must understand it's like a doctor telling you, take this. I, I think so many times we take these things and we don't realize they are meant for our good. Because how many of you know worry has really never helped you? Worry really likes to cuddle up alongside you and says, hey, why don't you just hang out in this misery for a moment? But it has never actually progressed your life. And, 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 and the Bible so often gives us these commands, and we read them as commands. We read them as these pressure-packed things. But the reality is, is that they are instructions that they might be for the best of who we are. They are calling to our health, and they are calling to our future, and they are calling to who we are created to be. We are not meant to be people who worry. Instead, instead, pray about everything. Aren't you glad he didn't just simply say, don't worry about anything? But he actually said, instead, pray about everything. So anything you would worry about, pray about it. Anything you would get caught up and distressed about, pray about it. See, I think prayer is, man, we, get, we kind of marginalize it because it's a little hard to know if it's working. Right? And so we kind of go, well, I'll do that when I really need it. But prayer is a discipline built into our lives to bring us into a relationship with the Father that we might actually begin to treat him like a father. We might actually treat him like one that we would know. And when we do that, all of a sudden something is stirred up on the inside of us that we operate differently. Now listen to what he says after this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. See, fear will drive your worry. Faith will drive your prayer. And in your prayer, in your prayer, tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. I think that's a good rhythm. Tell God what you need, future. Thank him for what he's done, present. Tell God what you need, then. Thank him for what he's done now. Tell God what you need. I know we go, well, no, that's like, that's selfish. That's like, no, we can't, I can't tell God what I, I need to tell him what everybody else needs. And, I, and look, you should be praying for other people. I find that praying for other people usually increases my prayer life in such, a, a, such a, an amazing way. But understand, like I can tell my God. I can tell Father God. I can tell him, hey, this is, man, this is what I need. Now, he's still Father and he gets to decide, right? I mean, that's probably don't like to hear. Tell God what you need. And then don't forget, in the midst of telling him what you need, could you thank him for what he's already done? Could you thank him for what he's already done for you? I mean, regardless of where you're at, your circumstance, maybe you thank him for the fact that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you. That you might have life and life eternal, life abundant, life overflowing, internal and eternal life. Because I mean, you know, our world is not suffering from things to do out here. It's suffering from things to to captivate their heart, to life on the inside. And so here he is going, listen, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. What would happen if we got in that kind of rhythm about our life? Didn't worry about anything. I know we're already like, some of you are like, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about not worrying. But again, that w- that is a mindset. Again, let me just let me just poke at you a little bit. That, and me as well, for many of us, worrying about that it goes back to this idea that somehow this is, somehow makes us bad people if we miss it up and mess it up and we're like bad. Like we, I don't know. Again, this is instruction from a father to a son, from a father to a daughter. Quit worrying about that. Instead, talk to me. Instead, get close to me. Instead, get, get with me because I'll give you an eternal future perspective on your present, current problems. And I will give you convictions that hold you. They will, be, they will be there. They will remain. They will be future. And they will be faith, hope, and love. And you will build your life upon those things. And your present will take a completely different view. Because the struggles that you're dealing with right now, they are small. And they will go away. And really what you want is to fix your eyes not what, on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Future people, we, we, we get this faith that allows us to step into some things that maybe we wouldn't if we were building our life on fear. Because I think a future faith empowers our hope, empowers our confident expectation. But man, a future fear, it would erase, it will erase any present hope that you currently cling to. Because faith is our handle. Faith is the thing that makes us effective. Faith is the thing that allows us to keep moving and keep doing what God has called us to do. That's why later on the writer of Hebrews says that without faith it is impossible to please God. That's a big statement. Without faith it's impossible to please God. What he's really saying is that if you don't trust him, if you don't, if you don't trust him fully, If you don't hold on to that faith, even in the midst of 
dark and difficult moments. Hold on to that faith in seasons of transition. Hold on to that faith in, in difficult, then, then you, will, you will fly off the handle. And you will miss on some things that I've called you to. But if, if you'll hold on to that faith that I've put in you, to trust me, to lean in on me, to, to not worry about anything, but in all things, pray. Pray. Tell me what you need. Thank me for what I've done. And we'll be in great shape. So you have this vision about Jesus on every street in every heart. And there's a reason Jesus is at the front of that statement. Because we will not do anything with every street, and we will not do anything with every heart until we have first decided who we are in Christ. And so we might move locations, and we might, do, you know, launch new dinner parties, and we might shift some things around, and I get all that stuff, but understand that really what matters most about everything that we do is that we know who we are in Christ, that we have a faith and a hope and a love that takes us into forever, that will not be gone, that will not lose sight, we will, that will remain forever. So I don't know where you're at today. I know I didn't talk about hope and I didn't talk about love. But I think in many ways those are born out of our faith and complete trust in Jesus. I don't know where you hang out. I don't know where you've been hanging out. I don't know if maybe you have a future faith or a future worry, a future fear. I don't know if you're worrying about everything or if you're praying about uh, everything. Maybe maybe you're somewhere in between. I, maybe you have kind of been, you've flown off the handle years ago, right? And you're still, you're sitting somewhere on the ground. You're going, what in the world? I can't, I, this isn't working and this isn't effective and this isn't happening and I keep trying to do it on my own. It just seems like, and you, the one thing that will be your handle is your faith and your trust in who Jesus is. So maybe for some of us, what we need to do is grab hold of the handle again. That faith, that deep abiding trust in who Jesus is. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you are with us, that you are for us. I thank you that you never leave us, that you never turn your back on us. I thank you, God, that we can be future people. I thank you that we can have future convictions. I thank you that we can stand upon the rock that is Christ Jesus because you will never leave. You will never go away. And no matter what storm comes, we can build our house upon you. And God, for some of us, we have lived our life in fear, believing that what, what we cannot see will come to pass, believing that what those people think about us is all negative, believing that what that person did to us was intentional and that they don't care for us, believing that you really are not there for us because we didn't get that and we didn't get that and we didn't get that, and we've lived our life with this external, present thought pattern. God, you want to move us into a place that is both eternal and internal because you know that those things should influence our present more than the other way around. And for some of us, we've worried about everything and prayed about nothing. Or maybe we're a hybrid of the two. And God, today you're going, please, tell me what you need. Tell me what you need. And please look back and celebrate. What has already happened? Yeah, maybe it hasn't worked out right now in this very moment. My goodness, can you believe you're even here? Can you believe you're even in this place with these people? Can you believe that there's actually someone telling you right now that Jesus loves you even though the season has looked hard? Because, God, what we're dealing with right now, it's small and it's temporary. It might not be easy. But it has nothing 
on the glory of God, has nothing on the grace of God, has nothing on faith, hope, and love, because they will never, ever go away. They will always remain. And God, I pray that today you would be the author and perfecter of our faith, that for some of us, maybe for many of us, we've lived a future fear instead of a future faith. We've trusted the things that are temporary and fleeting and seem to disappear pretty quickly. Instead of a a faith that will always remain because it's centered upon who you are. If that's you today and you go, I want to get rid of some fear. I want to grab hold of faith. Fellas, you don't like talking about this word fear. You're not supposed to fear anything. But the reality is, is that while you put on a good face, there's something on the inside of you that says, man, I'm, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm a failure. What, what, what happens if I lose this? What happens if this job doesn't go right? What happens if I make this decision and I mess up my family? What, what happens if I don't achieve? And I'm just I'm challenging you guys to, to step into future faith. For all of us here today, have you been living with a future faith or a future fear? Have you worried about everything or are you praying about everything? Have you told him what you need? Have you thanked him for what he's done? Where are you living right now? And if you want to change that, if you want to live with a future faith that empowers your present hope, would you just right now, with boldness and courage and a clinging to who Jesus is, would you just right now, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you. Anybody here this morning, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else to say, you know what, I, I want to live with a present hope. What I mean, what, what that needs to happen is I need to grab hold. Thank you so much of that future faith. So good. Anybody else, real quickly, just raise your hand in the air. I'm going to pray with you and agree with you. So good. God, we pray right now for every person, for every single person who just raised their hand. God, I'm so thankful for their willingness to go, I, man, I don't have it all together. God, we have to come to that place with you. We have to come to that place with you that says, you know what, you created me. I didn't create you. And you know what's best for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have a future faith that builds my life on what is to come so that it can change what is currently here. God, I, I pray that I would live in your grace and strength and your power and your love, that I would live knowing you, the Holy Spirit, you would remind us every day that you are for us. God, I pray we would get rid of fear. And that, God, when we can't see something, we would grab hold of faith. We'd grab hold of trust. Like great men and women of the Bible who said, in the midst of, I will never let go of this faith I have in the God I serve. Whatever comes, whatever happens, I will not let go because it is in that that I become what I am called to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give God a round of applause for those people who raised their hand? Come on. Isn't that awesome?